Some shows don't need a celebrity narrator to introduce the show. But this show does. Two men. Eight kids co-created by two different women. Thirteen multi-million dollar businesses. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Thrive Time Show. And yes, Thrive Nation, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Thrive Time Show on your radio and podcast download. And on today's show, we are interviewing the master herbalist by the name of Sarah Hanna Silverstein. Sarah Hanna is a consultant to obstetricians, midwives, and pediatricians, and she guest lectures at medical schools throughout the nation. Sarah Hanna, welcome on to the Thrive Time Show. How are you? Good. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Well, I, I'm excited. I was, I was uh, doing some uh, deep dive research, and my understanding is that uh, Christy Brinkley, the famous uh, Sports Illustrated cover model, she actually is endorsing your newest book here, Mootopia. How, how, how did you first meet Christa, Christy Brinkley? We have some mutual friends, and she's always interested in health and especially alternative avenues that you can take. And she really loved my book. I felt really honored. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, on today's show, I'm going to be sort of like the, the devil's advocate. Not that he needs one, but I'm going to be the devil's advocate. And I'm going to ask you uh, 10 questions on behalf of the listeners that we have out there that uh, have some questions. Because, you know, I, what you do as a master herbalist is sort of. Uh, it's a, it's a newer thing for some people. You know, it's kind of a newer idea. And so I'm going to ask you some questions. Here we go. Question number one here I have. How did you become a master herbalist? Or how does somebody go about becoming a, a master herbalist? Well, in order to become an AHG herbalist, which is American Herbalist Guild, you have to have practiced for over 10 years, worked with over 1,000 clients, and then you have to sit before a board, take exams, and present cases, meaning you have to have a lot Excuse me. A lot of work, a lot of exposure with plants, and the test is really intense. That's what I can tell you. Uh, Chuck, this just in from our home office. Sarah Hanna's been doing this for a long time. Oh, uh, sounds like it. Sarah Hanna knows her stuff. She knows Sarah Hanna knows what's going on. Okay, so question number two I have here for you. Your book, Moodtopia, tame your moods, de-stress, and find balance using herbal remedies and aromatherapy. Uh, how, how can that book, we have a lot of listeners out there. We have, we have hundreds of thousands of listeners who uh, work who work on a daily basis. They own their own companies. Uh, Sarah Hanna, the average person listening is, is probably a woman who owns her own company or a man who owns their own company. They work hard. There's a lot of moms and dads out there. They're waking up early. They're running a construction company. They're running some kind of small business. Um, how can your book, Moodtopia, help our uh, uh, listeners? Well, I've had an office... Um for the past 26 years, and one of the things I noticed was that people, even people that looked really together and really had the life that they had carved out for themselves, would often feel like they would get stuck and stunted by these emotions, be it frustration, anger, even little bouts of depression, and they really would get stuck and feel that 
these emotions kind of, you know, got in the way of their success. And when I started doing research, when I was deciding the topic that I wanted to, I know that knew that I wanted to write a book about herbs. I realized that this is what the stats say, that one out of five people are taking psychotropic drugs. Now, I'm not against psychotropic drugs at all. It helps lots of people, but lots of people are really suffering from the side effects of it all. Of the drugs. I went on to learn that these medications are usually prescribed by practitioners. They're GP, not even psychiatrists anymore, that is taking between six and eight minutes with a person. And that these people are given these drugs often for what is really common ailments like I'm having trouble sleeping or, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just on that verge of depression. And I knew that this is where herbs shine. What's amazing about herbs is that you can take them when you need them, not take them when you don't need them, and that you don't have any side effects or withdrawal symptoms. And I found that these people that are kind of, you know, they don't quite need meds and they're not quite, you know, just happy-go-lucky people, people that are working hard, like you said, stressed, overwhelmed. And when I teach them about herbs and they have this in their briefcase or their backpack, they just feel more in control and they feel like when they're having those days where they haven't slept enough for three days, they can take an herb that gives them a little boost, not like caffeine or if they're, you know, a little hormonal, um, they can take an herb that can keep them to be less crabby. And my clients were just loving it. And that's why I wrote the book Moodtopia so that I could share this information. And, you know, in the beginning of the show, you said this is kind of new information. What I'm giving in my book is really what people have been using for thousands and thousands of years. I'm just kind of True. rekindling. True. I agree with that. And one thing I would I, you you you, uh, you had so many knowledge bombs. She had she had so many knowledge bombs in a row yes. that I have to duct tape my head back together now. Here's what here's what I wanna I wanna make sure we get into this because you just said psychotropic drugs. Now the, the the definition of a psychotropic drug is any drug that is capable of affecting the mind, the emotions, and behavior. So let me give you an example. I have a very good friend of mine. Uh, she's a very successful she's a very successful entrepreneur, uh, Sarah Hanna, and mm -hmm. she went to. Uh, meet with uh, the, the general practitioner. You said GP, right? General practitioner? Yes. And went, met with her local doctor. For She met with him for probably, like you said, six to ten minutes, I would argue about the, but you're, you're correct. You know, six to ten minutes. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was with this person. I traveled to go meet them. My wife and I were there. We went out to meet this person. And this person, uh, you go to the bathroom, and I'm not nosing, nosing around their house. They have a very big house, very successful person. I go into their bathroom. I'm not looking around, but they've got pills everywhere like pills that were out you know they i guess they forgot i was coming over maybe they don't even care but on the drugs on, on the on the, the it's like an orange bottle and on there it tells you what they're taking you know yep. and i do my best to not look i'm just gonna wash my hands i'm out but i'm like there's a lot of drugs here but i didn't i didn't read the labels whatever i'm not exaggerating this person is not yet 40 years old and i saw her uh recently and she's now having massive heart problems as a result of side effects of taking these drugs for the last two, three years. And yeah, absolutely. Huge issues. Absolutely. Huge issues. This is powerful. It, it's so funny that you said that because I remember, I'm a mom of seven kids, by the way. Yes, you and are. And they are all mine. 
And I remember I was in the office of one of the schools of one of the kids, and there were a bunch of women my age, and I'm not old, sitting there discussing how do they organize all their pills? Like, what? how do they remember? And, you know, I sat there, and I was listening to these women, and I was so shocked. So, again, medications are often needed, but medications are often not needed. And I think that, unfortunately, our doctors, who I respect greatly, you know, some of my best friends are doctors. They're, they're, tre- they're, they're trained in a very different way than herbalists are. When you come to an herbalist, I spend minimally an hour and a half with a person. And I'm asking them every question in the world. And part of my job, besides being a detective about them, is to figure out what is within the realm of normal and what is not. Now, a person that's going through a very heavy-duty business transition, let's say. I mean, it's going to be normal to have some insomnia. I mean, at night, your brain's just going to be thinking and rethinking and rethinking and rethinking, you know, all the different options available. So if you take an herb like passion flower or lemon balm, you know, before you go to bed, these are these are herbs that are going to help stop that mind from doing that circular thinking that, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? When I, what am I going to do? If you take an herb like kava, kava is an herb that's been used for just generations. I mean, all over the world. And that's to help with tense muscles. And tell me how many people that aren't, you know, going through these tough business transitions are not getting tense muscles. So, of course, you should go get a massage. You should go sit in a jacuzzi. Right. Go take a really long walk. But if you can't do that, you, there are herbs that can help your body get back into the place you want your body to be in, not some prescription medication per se. Why I'm so uh, passionate about having you on the show is you started off, you said, hey, one out of five people are taking some kind of psychotropic drug, which, by the way, has crazy side effects. I mean, it's unbelievable, but this is just an example. Uh, uh, one of my clients I worked with, uh, Sarah Hanna, about, uh, what, about eight, nine years ago, based in Dallas. This guy is a general practitioner, and I was helping him get to the top of Google and grow his medical practice and that kind of thing. And he said this mm-hmm. to me, and I'm curious if, if you would be shocked that this statement was made. Uh, he talked about, he goes, I said, hey, what percentage of the patients that you work with do you prescribe some kind of drug? You know, there's OCD, there's AC, there's uh, there's uh, attention deficit disorder, there's obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh, yeah. I said, what percentage of your patients do you think are on? Uh, did you prescribe a drug? And he goes, well, Clay, with the HIPAA stuff, I can't get any specifics, but I would say probably 25 percent of my patients I prescribe something. And then I said, for your son who has a hard time paying attention. What drug do you prescribe to him? And he goes, oh, I would never prescribe a drug for my kids. Right. But he was right. prescribing it all day. And I said, hey, I, I, gotta, I just got to ask you, man. Like, how do you do that? He goes, well, man, people, what they want is everyone wants to have a drug that they're on. It's like the new thing now. Everyone wants to be OCD or ADD. It's like, you know, if I struggle paying attention, I need to be on a drug. If I, you know, if I, if I, if I pay attention too much, I need a drug. And he's like, but it's really bad. Like, a lot of these drugs have a lot of bad side effects. And he's like, and I people won't. people want to quick fix. I Sorry to interrupt, but they, they want this quick fix. And when you work with an herbalist, like 
we go through and explain, you know, there's not really a quick fix, but there's a lot of tools that you can have in your chest that you can use to help with these kinds of problems. So, you know, again, why I'm going back to herbs is, of course, like everybody already knows, you need to sleep enough, blah, blah, blah. You need to eat healthy, of course you do. You need to drink water, yeah, for sure. (laughs) But that's really great when you can fit that in. And obviously, that's the foundation. But people do need things to be able to give them... Give them that little bit of strength to be able to get through that busy weekend. Does right. that make sense? So, yeah. you know, basic health is so important. And, of course, do Tai Chi, do yoga, do deep breathing. You know, I discuss these things in my book, Mootopia. But, you know, I joke because a lot of my clients come in and go, breathe, Sarkana? Like, are you serious? <laughs> like, you want me to take a deep breath? So I laugh at them and I go, okay, here's the story. When you're at a red light driving. I just want you to inhale once and exhale once. That's your breathing for the day. They're like, oh my gosh, that I can handle. You know what I mean? Like most busy people can't really, I mean, of course, don't get me wrong. It's great to meditate. It's great. But like, give me like two breaths a day and already you're on the path to calming down. So in my book, I give really simple, easy tips because we kind of all know in the back of our minds what we're supposed to be doing. And then we feel guilty. Oh my gosh, I have to go to the gym. I have to work out, you know, four days a week, get my heart rate up for 20 minutes. But you know what? If you go to the gym once every two weeks, that's also okay. Like, don't give up that gym once every two or three weeks because you're not going regularly. That little burst of exercise is going to help you. So there's lots of little things we can do, not necessarily all the major things that we have to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, Christy Brinkley would agree with you. She said, I love a good shortcut to looking and feeling great. And Sarah Hanna's tips uh, help you get back to your best with nature's best medicine. Uh, these right. quick tips. I want to ask you, what kind of shortcuts or, or quick tips can our listeners expect to find inside your, your, your new book, Mootopia? Well, you know, it's so interesting. I love that question because there's something called forest bathing. And forest bathing became very popular in Japan. And forest bathing is when you take some time and you walk through a forest. And what was very interesting was they were doing some research wondering, like, you know, what is it about walking through a forest? Is it the green trees? Is it the plants? And one study showed that it was actually the essential oils that the the tree let off to protect itself from bugs that could, you know, break down the health of the tree. So just being by a tree can help you enough. So if you're a city slicker and you don't have a forest to go walk through, but you have like a 10-minute lunch break. Now, I didn't say an hour lunch break, right? So the 10-minute lunch break. Like go out and sit by a tree if you're drinking your coffee, which is supposed to be like, you know, something healthy. But if you're still drinking your coffee, do it by a tree and try to just get a whiff of those essential oils that the tree's expelling at that moment. So just being by nature can calm your system down. So if you have an office that you spend way too much time in, there's a lot of plants that you can put around your office. Like I have some lucky bamboo in the office where I am right now. And at least bamboo is a little green for the eye, and it just kind of calms your system down. Oh, I so love bamboo. You don't... I love bamboo. Huh? I love bamboo. I'm obsessed with bamboo. My wife won't let me plant any bamboo, but I love bamboo. <laughs> And it's easy. 
and you know, it's so interesting because we're supposed to learn from the bamboo um, when you look at it that it's hollow in the inside, firm on the outside, and it takes very little light and very little water, meaning we're supposed to be fluid on the inside, whatever people say, it shouldn't affect us, just, you know, let it go in and out, we're supposed to be strong and firm, and we should need very little to keep ourselves happy. So just to have a little plant in our office like that, know what it's supposed to represent, it's that one second reminder, oh yeah, oh yeah, I can let this go, I don't need to hang on to this. So I've got tons of little tips. I mean, another one that's amazing I'm going to talk about nature again, is they found that when people work with the soil, and again, you may have a big plantation you live on and you may have a teeny apartment in New York City, but there are antidepressant chemicals right in the soil. So just go to a Home Depot, pick up a plant for $1.99, repot it in a bigger pot. That can really help you feel better. So there's so many little things we can do. I'm going to give you one more thing. Oh, nice. Random acts of kindness. Now, I know we're supposed to be nice to our friends and neighbors, but, you know, it's really hard to do it if you're in a really crappy mood, had a really hard day. But this is what the studies show. If you just open the door for someone, just kind of be nice to someone, even though it makes them feel good, it lowers our cortisol levels and actually lowers our heart rate. So if you're having a really rough day and you don't have any herbs available, you can't go by any plant, just even if you don't want to, do nice things for people around you and you're going to feel less stressed. I mean, that's an easy tip. It's an easy tip, and I, I want I to. This is this is where I want to. I want to start to ask you questions that have the sure. potential to. If if you don't like the question, you, you just can hang up. That's my subtle Click. tip that you don't like this question. But this is your question. <laughs> I'm trying to ask them on behalf of people that are skeptics. Okay. Um, there is a lot of people that would call aromatherapy a kind of a woo woo concept, like a woo woo. You know. And a lot of people would say it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work. You know, aromatherapy. Oh my God, Chuck, aromatherapy. I mean, are you serious? Are you, so, Sarah Han, I want to ask you this: How do you how do you know? Because you've been doing this forever. Can explain to the listeners out there how do you know that aromatherapy actually works? So here's what I tell skeptics: You don't have to know that it works, and you don't have to want it to work, and you don't have to pick a scent that studies show relaxes you if you don't like the smell. But what I found and what I teach people is this. Our olfactory system, our breathing and smelling system, is really, really associated with memories. For instance, if your mother used to make, or your grandmother used to make an apple pie that you loved, whenever you smell that apple pie, you always think about your grandmother. Let me tell you a personal example. I love, I live between Los Angeles and New York, and I love hiking this one trail called Fryman in California. It's in Studio City, California. And this one part of this trail smells gorgeously like this tree that I remember when I was eight years old and mm. I was on a, on a horse farm, a horse camp, I'm sorry. And let me tell you, it's been a while since I'm eight years old. And every time I hike and I get to this one point, I remember myself being on a horse. I mean, it's ridiculous. But what happens is that's where my memory is with my smell. So let's say you travel a lot. 
And you really hate the smell of hotels. I mean, even clean hotels can have a smell. If you start to bring an, a scent with you like sandalwood or bergamot or lang lang and you just spray a little bit on your pillow or you just spray a little in the room or put a couple drops on the palm of your hand every time you travel you'll begin to make a better association with being away so you can use essential oils to create new memories forget the research even my clients that fly a lot you know sit you know <laughs> So funny, I was off to Detroit doing a conference just two and a half weeks ago, and the person next to me did not smell great. It's really important to shower before you travel. That's a move. So I had a little bottle of essential oil stuck in my purse. It went through security, no problem. I put a couple drops in a tissue, and I just kind of inhaled that a couple times. You know what? I was able to push away the smell of the stinky guy next to me. I mean, tell me that's not a great tool to have in your bag. I have a funny airplane story for you that just happened here about four months ago, uh, Sarah. Sarah Hanna. Yeah. This is a, a funny idea. A lot of people on airplanes, they're not really aware of what you should say or shouldn't say. You know what I mean, Chef? It's like certain people that are not aware of what to say or what not to say. Yeah, there's those people. So I'm sitting next to this guy, and this guy says, and I'm in the middle seat, and he says, well, how are you? I said, I'm doing great. And he says, well, uh, what do you do for a living? I told him, you know, we do we have a podcast, and we own a men's grooming lounge franchise of haircut businesses and i just was kind of giving him kind of a high level you know i said what do you do and he immediately goes into this super grotesque detail about surgeries he's had in the past Mm. like real and he's (laughs) saying words that are crazy like i guess he he, means i'm not kidding the whole plane like stopped because he's talking he's yeah you know i i recently recovered from boom 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 and bang 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 bang, and i actually had surgery on my anus Ah. and he said the word anus and the whole plane just stops and looks at us like what are you guys talking about (laughs) and throughout the entirety of the flight i was not sitting next to my wife he continued bringing up these weird buzzwords that would make everyone on the plane look at look at me and i need I needed some of your aromatherapy. I needed just <laughs> inhale. Something that just knocks you out. That's Everybody <laughs> was looking at us like, what are you guys talking about? And he was talking 90, 90% of the time, and he would do the old, uh, he'd ask like rhetorical questions just to kind of- Answer him himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was an incredible thing. So again, I just want to make sure we're recapping here. Aromatherapy works. Uh, yeah. Chuck, you know I, I mean, that pe- just would have helped center yourself. Yes. You just would have, you know, like gotten into another, another mind frame had you been breathing in some oils that you liked. Absolutely, and Chuck, you know I burn pinion wood all the time. Well, that was the problem. He tried to burn pinion wood on the plane. They kicked they, me out. They the wouldn't let him do that. <laughs> okay, now, and again, and other things, I just want to make sure proof of concept, the listeners understand, I actually do believe this. Um, I, Chuck, I live behind a what? A wall with a gate. And then what's behind that wall? Uh, a house and, and uh, 17 acres. Of trees. A, a, tons of trees. Probably thousands of trees. Yeah, tons of trees. Amazing. And, and I often walk through... The forest? There's multiple paths already out there. <laughs> I go back there, and I didn't know of the science behind it, but I can tell you, I love just sitting there by the fire, uh, being observing nature. It calms me down, Chup, and I don't take any medications at all, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Got a lot going on. Chup, you had a hot take there. Uh, yeah, Serhan, I wanted to ask you, um, where you were talking about forest bathing a minute ago. Have you ever heard of anybody that they advocate doing that barefoot? Um, no, but if you, you know, have strong feet, I think it would be a great idea. I mean, there is 
a lot of different therapies that you do barefoot so you can really feel more grounded and feel mm. the ground that you're standing on. But I haven't personally had people that have walked through the forest barefoot. Have you? Uh, I've just heard on different podcasts and, and people that they advocate if you're living in big cities, if you're in New York City, go out and walk through Central Park. Let me grass, let me give you, the, Sarah Hanna, let me give you the background here. Yeah. Chup records each and every radio show completely nude. Oh, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> so that's Only what socks. I have socks on. <laughs> we don't have, he has to call in remotely. We don't even allow him in the studio. Okay. So I have another question here for you. You have uh, seven. I didn't, I didn't write that in Mootopia. Maybe Mootopia too. Nude, that'll be Nudetopia. <laughs> All right. Nice. No. Nudetopia. I love it. Now, Sarah, I have five kids, and obviously you have uh, two upped me by having seven kids. So I want to ask you, we have a lot of ladies out there, a lot of moms listening to the show who uh, you know, are going through life as moms. How can your book, Mootopia, help all of the mom listeners that we have out there? I, I, I think they can a lot because I've, I'm, I'm also a lactation consultant. I, that means I help women with breastfeeding problems, and I've helped deliver over 469 babies as a doula. So a lot of the stories in my book are really um, geared towards and, and discuss moms. And, you know, people don't understand how what a full-time job it is to be a mom. Even if you go to work and you're a part-time mom, you're still a full-time mom. So I have lots and lots of quick, easy tips. For instance, I talk about the effects of color um, and wearing clothes within your color palette, which was really hip and funky maybe 30 years ago, and I kind of like want to bring it back. So there's interesting, interesting research about the effects of color that you wear and how it affects you. In my book, I talk about if you're going to an amusement park with a bunch of little kids, for instance, it's very important for the mom to wear kind of neutral, more, more gentle colors because the, excuse me, the excitement of the amusement park all around you, the reds and the blues and the yellows, if you're wearing a more calming tone, then it can help the kids kind of center and calm down when, they, when they're around you. So people, even if, you know, they can't afford to go to an herbalist or get a massage once a week, I mean, they can certainly incorporate colors into their lives. And if you wake up and feel drab and exhausted and your kid had a fever all night and your other kid crawled into your bed because they had a nightmare and you wake up exhausted, that's the time for a mom to put on a vibrant, energetic color because we know that color vibrates. That's how we get to see colors through the vibration of the energy. And if you were a vibrant color, it can give you that little bit of juice you need without having four cups of coffee. And then when you look in the mirror, instead of seeing this drab, exhausted woman with dark circles under her eyes, you're going to go, oh, I kind of look good in that turquoise, or wow, I'm wearing this vibrant purple. So women can incorporate colors in their lives to help keep their moods more stable. Sarah Hanna, I've never had a baby, obviously. And even just the thought of having a baby, it just stresses me out. How does having a baby impact the moods of women? Well, you know, every woman's different. I mean, one woman's going to be vibrant after she gives birth. One woman's going to be crying all the time. One woman's going to be, you know, thanking God for these miracles. The next one's going to be saying, oh my God, what did you do to me? You know what I mean? Like there's going to be so many different reactions and all those reactions 
are fine. They're good. And that's one of the things that I talk about in Mootopia. For instance, if you are frustrated by something, it really is telling you that something needs to change. So that frustration is not necessarily negative. It can give you the impetus. Also, anger. You know, if you just walk around angry all the time, I mean, that's not great. But if all of a sudden you're angry about something and you sit down and you go, okay, I'm really angry. I'm seething angry right now. What do I need to change in my life? then that anger can be used as a positive impetus to change what you need to. So, you know, you just asked a question about new moms. I mean, new moms go through a lot, and the emotions that they have are really going to teach them what they need to do in their lives if they aren't afraid of those emotions and know they're real and important and let them guide you. Sarah, you have researched uh, so much, and you've worked with thousands of individual clients, both men and women. So I want to ask you the question everybody has. Are, 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 are men naturally more moody than, than women, or are women naturally more moody than men? Is there any natural difference in the moodiness of men and women? <laughs> Well, I I got to tell you this. So I had a guy in my office because my practice was initially women's health clinic and pediatrics, but everyone started sending in their their boyfriends and their husbands and their dads. So I had this guy sitting in my office once. And I'm listening. And don't forget, I spent an hour and a half with them. I mean, we get pretty close, and I'm asking a million questions. And there was one herb this guy sounded like he needed, and it was an herb called motherwort. Now, motherwort in in its history is used for women that are hormonal on a hormonal roller coaster. And I'm sitting with this guy, and I'm like thinking in my mind, can I like break every rule as an herbalist and give this guy motherwort? And I said, oh, I'm going to plunge in. So I gave him a bottle of herbs, and I called it, you know, happy herbs or calm me down, whatever it was. And his wife called me a week and a half later and said, I don't know what you gave to my husband, but he is just not complaining all the time as much. And I was like, ding, ding, we can give motherwort to men. So I think generally women tend to be more emotional, and I don't want to be like anti-women because I'm one of them, but I think we tend to be a little more moody than men, but... Men can be just as moody as women. Don't kid yourself. And everybody's an individual. You know, like, even if we talk about depression, like, one person's depressed and they sleep all the time and they lost their appetite. The next person's depressed and they can't sleep and they can't stop eating. So whenever we have these labels of people, it still doesn't mean that we all respond in the same way. We all respond differently. So I'm always looking at the person as an individual. So the answer is, yeah, guys can be crabby too. Sarah Hanna, all of our listeners are very action biased, action orientated. So I want to ask you, what can all the listeners do to on a very practical level to improve their overall moods. What can we do to improve our overall mood? So I love the studies of smiling even if you're not in the mood of smiling. So here's a study I talk about in my book. So I forget the name of the professor's name. I think it was Lair, L-A-I-R, but you got to look in the book to confirm that. But he did a study with college students, and what he did was with with the when the, with the students the first time he had them put a pencil in their mouth 
um, going straight in and out like a straw. And he had them rate comics. Then a couple days later, he had the same students put a pencil in their mouth um, parallel to the floor or perpendicular to their body, and they rated comics with the pencil in their mouth that way. And he found on many different studies that when people had a pencil in their mouth perpendicular to the floor, which made their mouth go in a fake smile, that everybody rated the comics funnier and more enjoyable than when they had the pencil in their mouth, you know, sticking out like a straw or a cigarette, making kind of a frown. So even if you're not in the mood to smile, smiling sends messages to our brain to make us feel better. So practice smiling. Smile at random people in the store. Smile at random coworkers. Smile at, you know, people that just cut you off instead of giving them the finger. Give them a little smile when you pass by them. (laughs) And you'll actually feel calmer and more centered, even if it's a fake smile. Chup, you had a hot take about smiling. Yeah, whenever we teach business owners how to duplicate themselves and create a sales process, we teach them uh, when they teach their people on the phone to smile and dial. Smile and dial. Even though they can't see you on the other side of the phone, it makes you a happier and you come across as a happier person during that sales process. Yeah, people can hear you smiling on the phone. So that's cheap, inexpensive, doesn't cost you any money. You can put little signs. You know, I, I, I like positive affirmations, but, and I like them, but, you know, like if you're feeling like, oh, I look horrible today. And, you know, my life is not working and you have a big sign up there that says, you're great. You're the best. You're number one. You're looking at going, that's a lie. But if you've got a little sign up there that goes, remember to smile, you can put like a fake cheesy smile on and go, okay, I'm having a horrible day. And it does. It actually in the long run, makes you feel better. And, you know, people in the world are so busy and so overwhelmed. If they see a smile, they're not analyzing and going, is that a real smile or a fake smile? Is that person really smiling at me? So that's like an easy, easy, easy tip. I mean, I love people to get an herbal tincture, keep it in their purse or their pocket, an herbal tincture. There's The way you take herbs is you can either take them in tea form, which I find busy people, especially in America, don't take a lot of tea time, or you can take herbs in capsules, which I don't like because they, they dry out too quickly and lose their volatile oils. But you can pick up a little bottle of herbs in a tincture. They have herbs in your health food store called Calm Down or Serenity Blend and just put a couple drops in a little bit of water and see how that makes you feel. That's an easy, quick tip. You don't have to take long to take a little herb. It takes you about a minute or two. Now, my final... Not even a minute. 20 seconds. Sarah Hanna, we have a lot of uh, voracious readers who listen to each and every one of the Thrive Time Show podcasts because they love to read books. They love to read books that can help them improve their lives and take their lives to the next level. But I know we have several thousand listeners out there that are on the on the fence. They're thinking, should I buy the book or should I not? Should I buy the book or should I buy random stuff at a convenience store this month? Should I invest the 20 bucks or should I should I not? Sarah Hanna, give us your best sales pitch. Why should everybody buy your newest book, Moodtopia? So I think the most important reason to buy it is because my book is great bathroom reading, okay? You can bring it in the bathroom where most of my friends and clients read, read just a couple pages, get a little nugget of information, and be on your way. So it's really easy. The way I wrote the book um, with my partner, Susan Golan, is we wrote it in a non-complex way, meaning you can open the book to almost any page, and you'll get a takeaway. 
and I I wanted to make the book as simple as possible. I mean, it's based on true science, hard science. It's based on a lot of research, but in a really simple way with like a lot of bullet points, a lot of little sidebars. You could just read a sidebar and walk away with information. And it's available all over the internet, on my website, sarahana.com. It's one click away from everyone that's got a smartphone. Thrive Nation, you can pick up Sarahana's newest book, Moodtopia. Tame your moods, de-stress, and find balance using herbal remedies. Herbal remedies. And aromatherapy. You can get it today. You can find it on Amazon. You can go to Sarah's website. I encourage you to check it out today. It's Moodtopia. Tame your moods, de-stress, and find balance using her- herbal remedies and aromatherapy. Sarahana, thank you for being on today's show. We really, really do appreciate you. Thank you, Clay. I appreciated the two of you were great. I love this interview, and thank you for taking time with me. Oh, absolutely. All right, you take care. Chuck, we like to end each and every show with a boom. Uh-huh. And so now, without any further ado, well, well before we do that. Let's oh, do a little ado. Small ado. Without, with, with, with just a little more. With further ado. Ado. <laughs> Let's end with a boom. <laughs> okay. Here we go. No, 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 real quick. Oh. Chuck, ah. the, 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 the timing's not right. Hold on, Chuck. Hold on. With with just a little more ado. Slight ado. Here we go. Three, Three two, two, one, boom! boom.